The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Born to be Breastfed with your host, Marie Biancuso. Our program aims to help you bust through the breastfeeding myths and ensure you and your baby enjoy the breastfeeding journey. Over the next hour, we'll help you figure out how to overcome the obstacles you might encounter and how to incorporate breastfeeding into your busy life. Now, here is your host, Marie Biancuso. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. Thank you for joining me here today on a what is a very cold for me uh, Monday late afternoon. I am at my mother's house in upstate New York, and I want to tell you it's cold here, and I've eaten way too much. How many of you have done that? Okay, it's been the holiday time, and so you've probably had all of the office parties and the family parties and the everything else, and honestly, I'm sitting here thinking to myself, I should be ashamed. I've really outdone myself. And of course, the next week is New Year's and I will, I'm sure, get into all that party stuff again. And the following week, it's my anniversary. So I always have three weeks in a row that I can just have an excuse for eating. So not a good thing, but it's fun, isn't it? Alrighty. Well, I asked myself today, I'm going to put together a show that is titled The Best of and the Worst of 2014 as related to breastfeeding. And so then I said to myself, okay, well, what would I base that on? Would it be based on other people's opinions or some sort of criteria? Or would it be just what jumps out at me? And quite honestly, a lot of it is just, huh, it jumps out at me. As you all know, I have lived in the United States my whole life, and so I am very U.S.-centric, but I tried hard to look for things that were not necessarily U.S., because quite honestly, our world is getting much, much smaller. I know that there are people in more than 100 countries who are listening to this show right now. So I tried to find some things that I thought would be of interest to a variety of people, but I also asked myself, Hmm, an awful lot of people don't actually listen live. So many people listen as a podcast. So if I were listening to this show in February or March or April, like, why would I care? What makes this relevant even when December 31st has passed? And I hope that the answer to that is, What have we seen in 2014? The good, the bad, the ugly, and what have we learned from that? How is that relevant for breastfeeding in 2015? And what is it that we just really hope goes away forever? We don't even have to think about it in the year 2015. What have we learned? How do we go forward? So I broke the show into basically four different segments. 
in this first segment, I'm going to talk about things that were in the news, both the best and the worst. And I'm not sure if I'll finish quite at the end there, but then in the next segment, I will be talking about some research studies that were published in 2014, the best and the worst. In the third segment, I'm going to talk about celebrities and breastfeeding. And then finally, before we go home today, I will be, well, of course, I actually kind of, I am more or less home. Um, <clears throat> I'll be looking at what should we look forward to for 2015? Okay, let me tell you what I think probably ranked as the worst thing that was in the news this year. I distinctly remember when this came out because I had everyone at my office bugging me to do a blog on it, and I just could not bring myself to blog about it. Here's what happened. This was written up actually in the Washington Post, and many of you know that I live just a few miles outside of Washington, D.C., so uh, we always kind of keep track of what's going on with the post. But it turns out that the woman who is writing the story is a new mother, but she is also a staff writer for the Washington Post. And she's actually giving her son formula. Okay, you're thinking, so how does this figure into the breastfeeding show? Well, because this woman was very unusual. She was fairly young, as I recall. But she had a fight against breast cancer, and she had had a double mastectomy. That is, both of her breasts have been removed. And so she tells the story, and this was online, that as her husband and her baby were cuddling, she says that she was in a mood that could only be described as postpartum elation. Then she goes on and she says, that is, until the breastfeeding Nazis came marching into my room. You really should breastfeed, the hospital's lactation consultant said. When I simply said, I'm going to do formula, they didn't want to leave it at that. So holding my day-old newborn on what was one of the most blissful days of my life, I had to tell the aggressive band of well-intentioned strangers my whole cancer saga. It felt particularly exhausting because this was the first time in nearly a decade that I could forget about the cancer and enjoy having a fairly easy pregnancy and giving birth to a healthy child. I can't, I said. I had breast cancer. But I'm just so happy to be alive and to be a mother after cancer. Silence. Just try, they advised. Let's hope you get some milk. It may come out anyway, or through your armpits, another advised later when I was doing the usual post-labor, slow recovery walk through the hospital halls. After that, when I saw those lactivists coming, I picked up my pace. All right, here's this story about this woman who has had a double mastectomy, and she has been told by someone who she presumes to be credible that she should try breastfeeding, hoping that she should get some milk, 
And the statement about it coming out through her armpits has got to be the number one most ridiculous thing I have ever heard in my life. All right, so here's the staff at Breastfeeding Outlook saying to me, Marie, you need to blog about this. You need to defend these people who were well-intentioned in trying to give this mother a, a, you know, trying to do the right thing. I said, I don't have any sympathy whatsoever for these, quote, professionals. I feel empathy for the mother because the mother was subjected to the remarks of somebody who was, first of all, uninformed about the woman's uh, case, apparently. She says she had to tell her whole saga. And then they, when, when that isn't good enough, this, quote, professional follows up with, it may come out anyway or through your armpits. All right, my friends, when you hear anyone tell you something that doesn't make any sense, when you feel like it doesn't make any sense, when you feel like they don't know your case, when you feel like they're just plain being obnoxious, the lesson to be learned here is run away as fast as you can. I realize you might be confined to your bed for whatever reason, but mentally run away. She says, after that, I picked up my pace. Oh, how true. So really be careful about these people who are saying things that just don't make sense. This one, I felt that everybody on that postpartum floor should have known her history. They should have been respectful of her feelings. And I felt bad for the patient. I am not here to defend the staff, not at all. Okay, so that's that one. Here's another one that has been huge, and this is kind of tied up with the professional literature. So I didn't really know quite where to say, where to put this. But I want to make sure that I address it because we have now got these huge, dire warnings about bed sharing. I think that it's quite apparent that the American Academy of Pediatrics has basically said, never sleep with your baby. Now, here's another lesson to be learned. When you start to hear things of never, never, ever do this or always, always, always do that, that should raise a red flag for you. When it starts to feel like it's a one-size-fits-all recommendation, you need to start questioning. Now, this is the very widespread advice, but interestingly enough, there was a wonderful, um, I guess I would say that this was probably, I'm looking at this and I'm looking at the link, it's at commonhealth.wbur.org. And it looks to me like she just did a guest blog here. The person who is writing is Dr. Melissa Bartek. Oh, and it says guest contributor. She says that the studies are misrepresented, and I totally agree with her. Now, let me give you just a small snippet of what Dr. Bartek has to say. She says the problem with this widespread, I'm quoting her now, the problem with this widespread advice is that the AAP's statement from which it comes 
is based on just four papers. Two of the studies are misrepresented and actually show little or no risk of sharing a bed when parents do not smoke. And two of the studies do not collect data on maternal alcohol use, a known and powerful risk factor. In addition, the AAP statement ignores many other recent excellent papers that are not even mentioned or cited. So she goes on here and she talks quite a bit about dangerous sofas, when you should avoid bed sharing, advice that backfired, and then she talks about the 2011 AAP statement a little bit more. She also talks about the formula risk. And let me just point out what she says here, and I quote, but one of the biggest risk factors Formula feeding is not discussed at all in social marketing campaigns to prevent infant deaths. It may be more effective to support women to stick with breastfeeding than it is to convince them not to sleep with their babies. If advice not to bed share may inadvertently end up decreasing breastfeeding duration, that would affect many diseases in addition to sudden infant death syndrome and infant suffocation. Breastfeeding duration impacts obesity, a host of infections of infancy, and breastfeeding duration affects a host of maternal diseases as well. So then she goes on to talk about suboptimal breastfeeding and much more. I would say to you, before you accept that AAP statement lock, stock, and barrel, look at what Dr. Bartik and others like her have to say. And meanwhile, make sure you find out what I've got to say when we come back in the next segment. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. What's the weirdest place I've ever done it? Probably at my niece's high school musical during intermission. I've done it on an airplane. In our minivan while his mother was driving. Hi, Mom. What's the weirdest place I've ever pumped? Probably the car dealership. In the bathroom at my sister's wedding. Finding a good place to pump can be hard. Donating breast milk is easy. No matter where you've pumped, you'd make a good donor to the Mother's Milk Bank at Austin. Learn how your milk can save lives at milkbank.org slash gooddonor. Breastfeeding Outlook, owned and operated by Marie Biancuso, is America's premier provider of breastfeeding education. If you're a nurse, lactation consultant, dietitian, midwife, physician, doula, or other professional, Breastfeeding Outlook is your source for SERPs, nursing contact hours, and CEUs to meet your certification or licensure requirements in all 50 states. Join Marie at a seminar in one of many U.S. cities or learn online. Marie has helped thousands to pass the IBLCE exam on the first try, and she can help you too. Call to find out how to get an easy payment plan for Marie's IBLCE exam prep course. And if your hospital is seeking the baby-friendly hospital designation, we can help you with that too through expert training and value-based consultation. 
We have a variety of packages to meet your needs without breaking your budget. Sign up for a live or online course or inquire about training today. Please visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Evidence for your practice starts here. Visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Do you enjoy listening to Marie Biancuzo? Do you think your staff would enjoy listening to Marie? As the past president of Baby Friendly USA, Marie currently offers baby-friendly training programs, online only, live only, or a combination of live and online education. If you are tired of listening to a boring lecture in a dark room, watching bullet point slides with a brief chance for questions at the end, come and enjoy a truly interactive learning online or live program with Marie. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894 to find an option that works for your staff. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed. Now, were you listening on that commercial break where she told you if you have comments or questions, send those comments or questions to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. I'll repeat it. It's radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Alrighty, so continuing with the best and the worst in the news, uh, you've heard me speak many times about the Baby Friendly Hospital Initiative. And I find that there are many myths about the Baby Friendly Hospital Initiative, sometimes from the professionals, sometimes from the parents, or both. Now, interestingly, and I did not specifically pick this one, although honestly, the woman did deliver at a hospital not terribly far from where I live. And she apparently had decided to formula feed, but this was a quote that she gave. She said, yet, right after my daughter was born, they were ripping open my gown and trying to set the baby up to breastfeed. I was really uncomfortable. In fact, she was so uncomfortable that apparently she um, asked to go home a day early. So I don't know what else happened after that initial thing. But anyway, she goes on and she says, and I quote, I certainly think if you want to have your baby next to you all night and that makes you feel better, you should have that choice. My problem was feeling like I was forced into that position. All right, a couple of lessons to be learned from this. First of all, the baby-friendly hospital does not force the patient or the staff to do anything. It is much more about informed consent, informed choice. And I would also say, I don't know what happened with the ripping open my gown here, so I don't want to condemn the staff, but I will tell you that I have worked labor and delivery long enough to know that that, uh, I actually noticed this many decades ago, but now we've got excellent research that shows that, in fact, that skin-to-skin contact is so important during the first hour of life. And 
it, maybe the nurse did not communicate this well to the woman. But here's the thing. The World Health Organization recommends that you be skin to skin with your baby, whether or not you are breastfeeding. And that is because of many, many benefits of skin-to-skin contact. But if nothing else, one that I always find very easy to help people to understand is how the baby is literally at the heat source. All right, as a human being, your temperature is 98.6 degrees Fahrenheit. So what are you doing? You're putting your baby right on your skin and you become the heater for the baby. So my hope here is that maybe the staff nurse was trying to just get good skin to skin and the mother maybe didn't fully understand that this was not about breastfeeding. I strongly suspect that she did not understand that it is the World Health Organization's recommendation whether or not the mother chooses to breastfeed. So as you go forward to perhaps having your baby or helping other women to anticipate what's going to happen. I just want to get clear about that and to say that's uh, it, it's all about choice, but I want you to make an informed choice. Okay, moving along to much further away because both of those were kind of right at my back door, but now I'd like to make a comment or two about Nick Clegg, who is in the UK. I understood that Nick Clegg is a host for a radio show called Leading Britain's Conversations, that is LBC. And on the show, he defended a woman's right to breastfeed in public. The woman was at a posh London hotel, and she was breastfeeding her baby there. Apparently, one of the wait staff gave her an oversized napkin and told her to cover up. Now, when I say an oversized napkin, I saw this in a photo, and I'm telling you, it looked huge. It looked uh, it looked big enough to be a small apron, honestly. Now, to go with this story, interestingly enough, the National Health Service, the NHS, was quoted as saying, you shouldn't ever be made to feel uncomfortable about breastfeeding in public. In fact, the Equality Act 2010 has made it illegal for anyone to ask a breastfeeding woman to leave a public place, such as a cafe, shop, or public transport, unquote. So that's the official government line. But the court of public opinion appeared to be something uh, quite different. UK Independence Party leader Nigel Farage backed the Claridge Hotel's policy to ask a breastfeeding woman to cover up. The words that, quote, mothers should perhaps sit in the corner came out of his mouth as he was talking about the mother nursing her baby. And that ideas apparently were based on the presumption, or his presumption, I should say, that a lot of people, quote, a lot of people felt uncomfortable about breastfeeding in public. Now, I thought it was pretty interesting that he said, quote, frankly, that's up to Claridge's. And I very much take the view that if you're running an establishment, you should have rules. Well, that's very interesting, sir, but that does not appear to be the British government health uh, department's stance on that. So just letting you know. Here again. What's the lesson to be learned? The lesson to be learned is 
what is the law wherever you are going? If you're here in the U.S., you should know what the law is in your state. If you're going abroad, you should know what the law is in, in this case, London or elsewhere. But always know, always know what's going on. Okay, as we talk a little bit more about the best and the worst, oh man, here was a huge one. Inviting African-American mothers to sell their milk and profiting. This opened a big controversy. Let me see if I can get this in context for you. Meadowlack, a for-profit company that's based in Oregon, started a campaign to get low-income African-American mothers in the greater Detroit area to sell their milk to the company, that is Meadowlack. And Meadowlack's founder, Elena Meadow, said that she saw this as a way to, quote, seek to increase breastfeeding rates among urban African-American women, unquote. But journalist Kimberly Seals Allers, now you remember Kimberly Seals Allers? She was on this radio show in February of this year. And Ms. Allers says that she doesn't see it that way. She says, and I quote, while there may be an argument to be made for paying women for breast milk, the economic and racial elements of the Meadowlack plan make it look more like a modern-day breast milk marketing scheme than a public benefit, unquote. She points out that Meadowlack is offering only about $1, only one ounce, $1 per ounce, excuse me, and that it's highly unlikely that a mother would produce a surplus of any more than 200 ounces of milk every two months. So, in essence, Kimberly Seals Allers is arguing that such a small payment isn't unlikely to, quote, empower the mothers. She quotes the company saying, quote, pull up by your own nursing bra straps, but contends that, quote, it's all too easy to imagine how Meadowlack's plan could become part of a continuing racial and economic divide in Detroit and nationwide, rather than part of the solution, unquote, to climbing out of poverty or increasing breastfeeding rates among the American, uh, African-American population. All right, so probably some of you heard about the MIT hackathon. I thought that was actually kind of cool. Actually, what happened was that the Media Lab hosted the Make the Breast Pump Not Suck hackathon, where MIT students came together with parents, lactation consultants, software and hardware developers, and public health researchers to improve on the experience of using a breast pump. And I got all of that I think pretty much word for word off from their site. The event actually went viral and later they announced the winners. Okay, another thing that I think that you should probably be aware of for the um, year 2014 were the Six Words campaign. This was part of the National Breastfeeding Month 2014, which of course is August. It is in many parts of the world, world breastfeeding is celebrated the first week in August. I know that in Canada and other places, it's not August, but in here in the U.S., it is, and we've, I guess, now made it into national. And so the U.S. Breastfeeding Committee came up with uh, this six words campaign. I will tell you that I personally participated in that. 
and um, it was pretty cool. I actually wrote my six words, and then I wrote them down for the radio show tonight, and I can't actually find them. <laughs> uh, so I'm hoping I can remember what I wrote. I believe I said best outcomes for babies, families, societies. That was it. That's six words. And so uh, in their I actually, it's kind of cool because uh, my six words in some ways reflected what the U.S. Breastfeeding Committee said. They talked about good for families. They talked about good for employers. They said more than 50% of women with, with infants are in the labor force. And they also said that the retention for employees of companies that have lactation support programs is 94%. The national average is actually 59%. And then they said, good for the economy. A study of the pediatric health burden from current breastfeeding rates shows that if 90% of U.S. mothers exclusively breastfed for six months, the nation could save, they said, $13 billion. I find that a little bit, uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure if that's a misprint, but that was what was on their website, and prevent the loss of 911 lives annually. So what's the take-home message here? I think the take-home message is breastfeeding is good for families, good for employers, good for the economy, good for society. Don't go anywhere. I'm Marie Biancuso. When we come back, we'll be talking about celebrities that were in the news in 2014. Don't go away. We'll be right back after this short break. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. What's the weirdest place I've ever done it? Probably at my niece's high school musical during intermission. I've done it on an airplane. In our minivan while his mother was driving. Hi, Mom. What's the weirdest place I've ever pumped? Probably the car dealership. In the bathroom at my sister's wedding. Finding a good place to pump can be hard. Donating breast milk is easy. No matter where you've pumped, you'd make a good donor to the Mother's Milk Bank at Austin. Learn how your milk can save lives at milkbank.org slash good donor. Do you enjoy listening to Marie Biancuzo? Do you think your staff would enjoy listening to Marie? As the past president of Baby Friendly USA, Marie currently offers baby-friendly training programs, online only, live only, or a combination of live and online education. If you are tired of listening to a boring lecture in a dark room, watching bullet point slides with a brief chance for questions at the end, come and enjoy a truly interactive learning online or live program with Marie. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894 to find an option that works for your staff. Breastfeeding Outlook, owned and operated by Marie Biancuzo, is America's premier provider of breastfeeding education. If you're a nurse, lactation consultant, dietitian, midwife, physician, doula, or other professional, Breastfeeding Outlook is your source for SERPs, nursing contact hours, and CEUs to meet your certification or licensure requirements in all 50 states. Join Marie at a seminar in one of many U.S. cities or learn online. Marie has helped thousands to pass the IBLCE exam on the first try, and she can help you, too. 
Call to find out how to get an easy payment plan for Marie's IBLCE exam prep course. And if your hospital is seeking the baby-friendly hospital designation, we can help you with that too through expert training and value-based consultation. We have a variety of packages to meet your needs without breaking your budget. Sign up for a live or online course or inquire about training today. Please visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Evidence for your practice starts here. Visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. Thank you for listening to Born to to be breastfed. We're here in this third segment to talk about celebrities and breastfeeding. And I'm talking about Alanis Morissette, Olivia Wilde, uh, Giselle Bundchen, Alyssa Milano, and others. So as I took on the preparation for this, I went and noticed that we had actually put on our Facebook site um, a few months ago, I think it was a few months ago, these um, photos of of women or stories about women who were celebrities breastfeeding. And basically, what we did was give a link to Carolyn Robertson's blog. And I'll repeat her name. I don't know this woman, but she did a really good job. It's Carolyn Robertson where she identified several celebrities who had been photographed while breastfeeding. And I thought, oh, well, I should probably come up with something original myself. And then I thought, no, I think that Ms. Robertson did a brilliant job here. And so actually, I would like to stick a lot with what she identified. I'd like to throw in a few of my own. And then I'd like to add my own two cents in terms of what I told you this show was all about today, which is what have we learned from 2014 and how do how is that relevant for the the following year? Well, let's talk about Alana uh, Alanis Morissette. Maybe you know that the Thank You singer posted a picture for World Breastfeeding Week in 2014 while she was on uh, tour with her son Ever, which was in 2012. Now I did a little calculating and a little guesstimating, and I looked up his birthday and I kind of patch things together, I would imagine that the baby was really a toddler in that photo, which means that Ms. Morissette's photo gave a huge vote for breastfeeding, and it gave a huge vote for breastfeeding a baby past the young infancy or even the late infancy stage, because I would say that that baby was pretty much a year or more. Infancy, of course, being uh, the first year of life. And I would just like to mention now, she had no shawl, no cover-up. It was a huge vote for breastfeeding in public. And then what about Olivia Wilde? Oh, did you see that? Oh, that was such a fabulous picture. It was uh, Glamour Magazine 
publishing a photo of her. She was sitting at a table in a diner. I assumed it was a set. I can't remember. And those endless long legs crossed, showing off those magnificent designer shoes. And she had on this gorgeous designer dress, but but she was braless now, mind you. And here she was breastfeeding her baby. Um, I couldn't really determine how old Otis was in the photo, but certainly he was a young infant, very young infant. I personally thought that there was a photo of a lovely, beautiful woman and her happy baby just peacefully breastfeeding. I thought it was semi-discreet. Now, she took some flack for this, but honestly, I've seen more skin at the beach than she was showing in that photo. So have you. So why is it okay to show more than half of your breast at the beach, but it's not appropriate to show half of your breast if you're breastfeeding your baby? Honestly, let's think about this. So before, uh, I could give you another whole one to think about, but let me talk a little bit about Giselle Bundchen. Ah, yes, this 33-year-old woman is the highest paid model in the world right now. She's also the mother of two children and the wife of uh, uh, Tom Brady. He uh, has had, I believe, two Super Bowls that he has won. He's a quarterback for the, um, the Patriots. So she seemingly has it all, right? Yeah, well, she has it all, including all of the criticism for nursing her one-year-old daughter, Vivienne, while a team of three professionals were basically getting her ready to go to work. Now, one of the pros is doing her makeup, one is doing her nails, and one is doing her hair in the photo. And Ms. Bunchchen is shown wearing a white robe and cradling Vivienne, who looks to me like she's just very happily nursing. And the photo was posted on Instagram. It stirred quite a controversy. And some people criticized her for being, quote, a little outrageous, unquote. Others felt that she was just multitasking. Uh, personally, when I see that photo, the word that comes to my mind is not outrageous. It's not multitasking. Neither of those words come to my mind. I see a woman who knows what she wants and knows how to accomplish it, whether it's getting the, to the top of the world's paycheck scale for modeling or getting to the bottom of her child's need for nurturing. Breastfeeding does that. I also thought she must have a tremendous ability to coordinate her body movements. I don't know. I don't think I could really manage what she was doing. She had somebody dabbing at her face with the makeup and someone tugging on her hair and somebody else, I'm sure, asking her to keep one hand completely still. And yet she was supporting a one-year-old child with that other hand. So kudos to her. So you probably heard about Alyssa Milano. She is known for her positive feelings on attachment parenting. Uh, but did you know the bigger story to that post that she had? And it turned out later to be several posts. She started actually with just two selfies that she published with, uh, it was on Instagram, with um, breastfeeding her baby. But here's the thing. She took a lot of heat for this. And then she didn't understand why everyone thought that her photos were distasteful, and yet nobody seemed to have a problem with Kim Kardashian, uh, who was trying to, quote, break the internet and posted a photo of her naked butt. 
<laughs> Alyssa Milano's quote was, quote, wait, I don't get it. No disrespect to Kim, but people are offended by my breastfeeding selfies and they're fine with her amazing booty cover, unquote. All right, so what's my take on this? Well, you know, those nude or nearly nude body parts seems to me like everybody thinks they're okay as long as such photos are intended for decoration or for entertainment. But somehow, such photos are not okay if the nude or the semi-nude body parts are being used for what they are intended for, namely um, nurturing a child. Hello. Let's think about this. Okay, so what about Kate Winslet? Well, somebody posted about actress Kate Winslet who had, quote, a wild story about pumping her milk during an earthquake in California. Uh, with the story was a lovely picture of Kate. Uh, you re may remember her for her famous role in Titanic, but I didn't see any photo of her pumping in that story. The story didn't quite strike me as something that the rest of the world, uh, I, I didn't understand why they called it her wild story. Um, reportedly, Ms. Winslet said, I quote, it's 620-something or other, and I'm sitting in a hotel in L.A., and I'm pumping because I have a 14-week-old baby. I'm here for 48 hours. I couldn't bring him. It's too far. It's a 12-hour plane ride, and so I'm pumping, staring at my beautiful picture of my beautiful baby boy, and my husband's on the other line, and the room starts to shake. I hung up, ran into the door frame with my friend who was with me, and she's like, it's an earthquake. And I just carried on pumping through the entire thing. So I don't know why this was such a wild story, but I will say this. If you dig a little deeper, you find out that Kate Winslet was also on the Ellen DeGeneres story, and she says that she, quote, hated pumping. Okay, so what does that mean? I think that means that even if you're a highly paid, highly successful actress, you have the same loves and hates as most mothers. Honestly, I don't know of anyone who ever loved pumping. I know many, many mothers who have endured it. It's good for all of us to be reminded that there are some things that we just have to put up with. No matter how rich or famous or privileged we are, we just got to kind of well, I started to say, suck it up. Uh, <laughs> I guess maybe that's what I'll say. All right. Uh, you will also find that there were great pictures of Gwen Stephanie. And the one that you've seen, I'm sure, before, which was Mayim Bialik. She was featured in the Huffington Post. You've seen this one before. I know you have. It's about her feeding her three-year-old son, Fred, on a New York City subway. And I would just like to point out that Mayim Bialik also has liked our Facebook page. So my question is, if Mayim Bialik or Amy Farrah Fowler is liking our Facebook, are you? What's your story? I would love to have you like my Facebook. Okay, um, I think that's about all the time that I have for this one. But don't go away. We'll be right back after this short break. 
your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. What's the weirdest place I've ever done it? Probably at my niece's high school musical during intermission. I've done it on an airplane. In our minivan while his mother was driving. Hi, Mom. What's the weirdest place I've ever pumped? Probably the car dealership. In the bathroom at my sister's wedding. Finding a good place to pump can be hard. Donating breast milk is easy. No matter where you've pumped, you'd make a good donor to the Mother's Milk Bank at Austin. Learn how your milk can save lives at milkbank.org slash donor. Breastfeeding Outlook, owned and operated by Marie Biancuso, is America's premier provider of breastfeeding education. If you're a nurse, lactation consultant, dietitian, midwife, physician, doula, or other professional, Breastfeeding Outlook is your source for SERPs, nursing contact hours, and CEUs to meet your certification or licensure requirements in all 50 states. Join Marie at a seminar in one of many U.S. cities or learn online. Marie has helped thousands to pass the IBLCE exam on the first try, and she can help you too. Call to find out how to get an easy payment plan for Marie's IBLCE exam prep course. And if your hospital is seeking the baby-friendly hospital designation, we can help you with that too through expert training and value-based consultation. We have a variety of packages to meet your needs without breaking your budget. Sign up for a live or online course or inquire about training today. Please visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Evidence for your practice starts here. Visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Do you enjoy listening to Marie Biancuzo? Do you think your staff would enjoy listening to Marie? As the past president of Baby Friendly USA, Marie currently offers baby-friendly training programs, online only, live only, or a combination of live and online education. If you are tired of listening to a boring lecture in a dark room, watching bullet point slides with a brief chance for questions at the end, come and enjoy a truly interactive learning online or live program with Marie. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894 to find an option that works for your staff. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to Born to Be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. Welcome back. Uh, Just before we took the break, I had mentioned uh, Gwen Stefani, and I also wanted to mention somebody, so I left somebody out, which I'm sorry, I just can't think of who it was, but I also wanted to mention that Princess Michael of Kent was recently asked in an interview her thoughts on public breastfeeding, and her response was that she said that she would not advise anyone to breastfeed. She called it a, quote, dreadful practice and said it is not something she would do for herself. Um, Just to let you know, not all royalty feel that way. We have, it, it is, quote, understood that princess uh, excuse me that that queen elizabeth actually breastfed uh prince charles we know that princess diana 
breastfed her children, and it is generally understood that that uh, uh, Kate Middleton is also breastfeeding her baby. Of course, no real official word on that, but it seems like everybody understands that. Okay, so I went hunting for studies, and I got to tell you, when I put into Google something like 2014 best study, oh, here's what I, I put in. I put best studies 2014 breastfeeding. What came up? I had about eight hits for an article that was in the New York Times titled, Is Breastfeeding Really Better? And of course, the piece in the New York Times summarized a study by Ohio researchers. Now, this was not just in the New York Times. There was also a little blip about it in the Huffington Post, Salon, New Scientist, Slate, Science Daily, CNN, and probably some others that I didn't even find. Why so much coverage about this study, which, in my estimation, is mediocre at best? Well, as is typical of, of a synopsis, it's written by a newspaper person, albeit the New York Times is usually fairly reputable, but the authors are not named. I did go and I could easily find the authors' names. Uh, the authors were, I, I hope I'm pronouncing this correctly, Colin and Ramey. And the name of the article was, Is Breast Truly Best? Estimating the Effects of Breastfeeding on Long-Term Child Health and Well-Being in the United States Using Sibling Comparisons. The study was published in Social Science Medicine. Now, Here's what I'd like to say when you read stuff in the popular press, and I have been, I've been reading this junk for decades, and it drives me crazy. I go and I get the original study. And let me tell you, this, really, this was very, uh, very talked about, shall we say. The New York Times summary alone had 269 comments. Certainly the best of those comments... Uh, were by Allison Stubbe and Eleanor Bimla Schwartz. Both of them are medical doctors. Uh, I'm very familiar with Dr. Stubbe's work. She has done a lot of research. She is absolutely top shelf, as is uh, her colleague, uh, Dr. Schwartz. But at any rate, I read this study and uh, I said to myself, whoa, whoa, hold on. This study is is." I'm not impressed. There were a couple of things that immediately jumped out at me, like instantly. First, there was apparently no attempt to determine whether or not these, quote, breastfed children were breastfed exclusively or for some substantial period of time. Okay, in my book, getting four slurps of breast milk in the hospital, that doesn't really count. And so we don't know that. We just don't know. I didn't see this exclusivity thing as I read the article, so I thought, okay, well, I'll do an electronic search. But I did not find the word exclusive pertaining to the actual conducting of the study. Interestingly, though, it did appear in the bibliography. A number of health issues uh, were measured only by maternal report. Now, I'm not saying that the mothers lie, and I'm not saying that mothers can't remember. I'm saying that mothers often do some self-diagnosing of their own children, or they get the wrong diagnosis, or they get the right diagnosis, but they don't report it correctly, or whatever. But in any case, I'm not impressed by the fact that a lot of this was just based on maternal reports of illness or lack thereof. 
The third limitation didn't immediately leap out at me, but uh, luckily I quickly was able to locate the UNICEF response, which of course named all three. They said, so to the question, is breastfeeding really better? The answer is absolutely yes. This is a direct quote from them. The study conducted by researchers at Ohio State University failed to address three critical points. First, was the infant exclusively breastfed? And then they go on. Secondly, they only looked at a narrow set of long-term effects in older children, ignoring the more immediate positive effects of the first two years. And then the third thing was, there is ample evidence that breastfeeding protects against maternal health. And they go on with quite a bit of that. Uh, but they say, in view of the numerous benefits of breastfeeding, not only for the infant, but for families and society as a whole, we need to make sure that policies and programs are in place to enable mothers to breastfeed as long as possible. Now, notice that I told you that there were 269 comments on this short summary, but the one that really caught my eye was this one from a person whom I didn't know. He said, I quote, any measure that intrudes or interferes with a natural process millions of years old cannot be analyzed objectively with such shoddy data. Right on, sir. I am with you. So what have we got to look forward to? Well, first of all, next year, make sure you send me your questions or your comments. Address your comments to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Let me know how you like this show or what you'd like to hear in 2015. We need public health policies, policies that will support mothers in all situations and circumstances in all states and countries. We need more health care providers who are knowledgeable about lactation care. We need more awareness. And this radio show is part of what promotes awareness. If you've got friends who are breastfeeding or wish they could breastfeed or need to have the myths busted, I'm your gal. Let them know about this radio show. I'd be happy to talk to them through the radio show or through email comments. We need more milk banks. You've heard me talk about that so much uh, in, in several shows it's come up, and we uh, talked especially about it in September. We also need more baby-friendly hospitals. When I became president of Baby Friendly USA, which I think was in the late 1990s, I'm thinking like 1998 or so, there were only a small handful of hospitals in the U.S. who had been designated as baby-friendly. Today, there are more than 200. We need to improve that number. And by the way, the other thing we really need to improve is our airports. You know how much I've talked about that this year, but it's so important that we get that accomplished. So as usual, this hour goes by way, 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 way too fast. And it's all the time that we have today. I would like to thank you for listening. I'd like to invite you to look at my website at borntobebreastfed.com for a preview of what's coming up next week. And if you're interested in professional continuing education about breastfeeding and lactation, I'm your source for evidence-based practice and education on the web and sometimes in your city. Again, that website is borntobebreastfed.com for parents. 
breastfeedingoutlook.com for professionals. I'm Marie Biancuzzo. I promise I'll help you to cut through the myths and clarify the uh, the facts about breastfeeding next Monday, same time, same channel, and throughout 2015. It's been a great year. Come back next year. Can't wait to talk with you. That's all. Bye-bye now. Thank you for tuning in this week to Born to be Breastfed. Please join Marie Biancuzo next Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. This week, do its best for you and your baby.